My agent called, he said he got some interest in my script I'm glad I didn't tell him that I never finished it I got my cast of characters and outline for the plot I even got a famous classic case of writer's block Get it out of my head 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 Get it out of your head And onto the page Get it out of your head And onto the page Get it out of your head And onto the page Get it out of your head And onto the page Welcome to On the Page. This is the podcast that answers all of your questions about the craft and business of screenwriting. My name is Pilar Alessandra, and I'm the instructor and script consultant here at On the Page. Joining me as podcast producer, round two, is the Deep Desai. I'm here. Hello. Hello. Welcome back. Thank you. Excellent. Nothing has happened in this week because we've, we're taping this back to back. Yeah. So we can't I don't have any. that there's any new news. No. Nothing like that. Nah. No pretending. Actually, no, I do have a question for you. Yeah. Um, so the, the Oscars are coming up. Yeah. And stuff. Have you seen any movies lately that you just love? Um, I saw War Horse. I saw War Horse too. Oh my God. See, I'm an animal lover and I love horses. Did and you I cry? Was, no, I didn't. But man, there's. I'm just not going to ruin it for anyone. That there's is a, a point movie? where I'm like, oh that man. Is, that is such a movie movie. You it know? really it's like Spielberg. You right. Know? It's right. <laughs> and also, you know, as far as adapting a book goes, it definitely made a choice as to like we're gonna adapt this chapter by chapter, you know. Because I believe it was it oh, was Oh, I didn't even know that. I think it was a oh. <laughs> look at me. Well, you're just Suddenly I've created a book that wasn't. No, there, it was, the narrative structure is sure. really interesting. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But and it's yeah, it's and it hard, switches man. points of view and but it is a movie. It's a it's such a movie. And there's um, such a there's We'll probably talk about this on the Oscar podcast because I'm sure it'll be nominated. But there's one like total Spielbergian moment that like he just can't stop. (laughs) You know what? He can't stop. But you know what? God bless you. Who am I to say? Right. Exactly. I need that. I love Black Stallion. I love that kind of the schmaltz a little of the schmaltz. There's there's a plenty um, of that. Yeah, I've seen Contagion. And uh, I have fifty fifty in my house right now, and they're just a, b- a few things. But I'm really behind. We started watching you know. Contagion about halfway through. Pat started to cough, and I was like, "No, no, 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 dude! That movie Don't makes even. that movie makes you do it." He's it's, such a hypochondriac. I was like, "Do not even go there." It's like, uh, 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 uh. like no. We we have a guest here. Hi, oh, Kevin. we do. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, we have. A guest. Yeah, yeah, we could do because you know we could talk we about this forever. Uh, Kevin West, how are you, Kevin E West? Kevin E West, indeed. Can, can I just call you Kevin e, Kevin E or Kevin? Call me e? Kevin E. That's fine. Yeah, <laughs> it's completely fine. Is there is there a movie that you've seen recently that you liked? Anything? I I just watched literally yesterday. Is it? Uh, Extremely loud and incredibly close, or is it incredibly close and extremely loud? Which is it? Um, I think it's extremely, extremely predictable and incredibly cliche. Oh, what? <gasps> yes. What? Oh, Did I just that. say that? Yes. Did I? Oops. Oops. I, lit- <laughs> I literally just saw that yesterday, and I just got all of my SAG screeners, so I'm looking okay. forward to watching The Descendants and yeah. uh, a couple of other things. But I did just see the... Um, the Tom Hanks 9-11 movie yesterday. Did you cry? It's okay to cry. It's okay to love uh, I cry at most movies that <laughs> yeah. tend to have crying in them. Oh, I, do you? I do. I am, uh, I am a crier in movies. You have yes. that sympathetic <laughs> crying thing? Like uh, I do, people yeah. puking and other people I'm a Pisces puking. and I'm a sensitive oh, dude and I appreciate nostalgia <laughs> and sentimentality uh, even though I do think that... Uh, that without Hanks, I'm not, I'm not sure if that story would have gotten told. Yeah. But, the, I mean, the book did really well. It's funny right? you should say that because I tend to not be – my girlfriend is a is a novelist. But uh-huh. I 
because I was a college athlete, I came into acting kind of late in life. Uh-huh. And I, I'm not one who tends to think that I'd rather read the book than see the movie. I mean, I'm very much a you know world according to Garp. That's just a big mm-hmm. book, and I would rather just watch the movie. Mm-hmm. I actually agree with that I actually have a feeling the book was probably really good. Well, considering the fact that they they laced in so much VO, which means clearly oh, okay. that his point of view was the thing that that made this work, and hit the language with that point of view made it work for the book. So they felt that they had to get that into the movie. Whenever you you see that, you go okay. They couldn't figure out how to dramatize this. They had to feed you all these words, so maybe it's just better in book form. Yeah, you know, I, I try to always read the like books a, for movies. Do you? I, I often, I don't know. I just like it, but then it, it be, it's a mistake sometimes because sometimes the movie is so much worse than the book, or the book's so much better than the movie. Mm-hmm. But um, or you get these these ideas in your mind about the world, and then you like, see oh, it differently. Yeah. You know, um, but uh, you know, I read I read all the books for um, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. I saw all the Swedish movies, and then mm-hmm. I saw the movie, and it was like, eh, yeah, it's it's the same. You right, know, it's, right. There's you, no you new ground that. being forged here. You know that you that know. story so well by that point. Yeah, it's yeah. and so I think if you haven't immersed yourself in that world, then and you go see the movie, it will be much better. You we, know, we you. wouldn't let our eleven year old uh, see the Harry Potter movies until she had read. The book, oh, so yeah. like yeah. she could, if she read a book, she could see the movie. If she read a book, she could see the movie. You know what I mean? Like, she oh yeah, I read all those books. The movie, because I yeah. was like, you know, she'll never. It's it's a cheat, you know. You well, are an ass kicker. I am an ass <laughs> kicker. We're talking about what an ass kicker I am. Before. But you have to read those books because they're really good. The Harry Potter books. Oh yeah, I've read them because remember we started good. reading when she was yeah. like five years old. So yeah. I I started reading them to her. There's always a Quidditch game going on. That's that's what I know. It's like. Quidditch, yeah, that's, it's that's their Quidditch. sport. <laughs> well, you're gonna have a college movie without a football game in it. I know. What are you gonna do? I know they're they're great books. I know, but I just was like, and it's a Quidditch game. So, um, Kevin e. West, indeed, founder and president of the Actors Network. Sometimes, yes. <laughs> but also uh, a working actor, like you wouldn't believe. Um, Indeed. Since yeah. 1990, uh, television guest star and co-starring roles, including Justified, Leverage, CSI Miami, CSI and 24, and Lost, and NCIS, and Desperate Housewives, and Alias, and Judging Amy, and Resurrection Boulevard, and NYPD Blue, and it just goes on and oh my God. on and on and on. And you're going to be on Castle, Yay. right? I am, Monday night, tomorrow on, night. On Monday, and you said... That there's a big thing with the, the name Pilar. There is. I, 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 you know, I don't know when this goes out or who's hearing it, if it's live or not. But I probably shouldn't expound on it too much. But yes, your name is a uh, is a huge part of the script and a huge part of my character. Is, Did they is, rename the show from Castle to Pilar? <laughs> is that uh, the it? Is one word true? <laughs> no, it is. It is. Uh, it, it is in reference to the subject matter of the story, which has to do with. Um, Dogs and dog training. Oh, that's, that's Ooh, nice. yes, that's yes. right At up my figures. alley. Yes, it's about dogs. You know, <laughs> is uh, is Pilar a biatch in it? Uh, well, the title of the episode is "Embarrassment of Bitches." So there you go. <laughs> Jesus, it figures. Are you, you typecasting? You just it? wait for a, a Pilar. Finally, you know those little name, name tags in the store. Never had them. 
You know, hey, you remember a Pilar necklace? I'm right there with you. Yeah, I'm sure a deep is the. <laughs> I can't find them in India, so you know it's that. And now that, it's an embarrassment. That's not fair. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's unfair. So are you typecast as as law enforcement often? Do I you am. Get that? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I am. I yeah. could see that. There's yeah, a, you got the you so, could totally civil do servant. It. I'm either yeah. I'm either carrying a gun, <laughs> getting shot, uh, or wearing a suit. And shooting at somebody. It's its some of those things. Although I did play a pedophile on Judging Amy, which was a lot of fun. Oh, so. wow. wow. a lot of fun. Well, well, well okay. Let's, let's talk first about playing law enforcement and then playing playing bad guys. So is there, um, uh, as a, an actor who's playing these kind of um, law and order roles a mm-hmm. lot, are there certain things in scripts that you're tired of or that you see repeated or things that you're constantly having to make fresh because because they're they're doing that same old trick again? You know, it's a, the question that's a great question, Pilar, in the sense that I think that law enforcement or civil servants uh not always, but much more commonly if you see them in feature films, they can tend to be more of um maybe a little more odd or strange as a character in terms of the way the story, the script, and the director let them play that. Mm-hmm. In television, not if you're not the lead of the series, which I'm not, I'm the top of show guest star for this particular episode, uh, I th- you, you tend to wind up being sort of the exposition dude. Ah. The guy that kind of has to put the pieces together for the audience in 48 minutes. Uh, and that's, you know, that is that is a real challenge as an actor because, as everyone knows, uh, typically that dialogue or that uh, emotion um, is not particularly interesting. Um, and it's 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 hard to say I get cast a lot as someone who's not particularly interesting. Um, oh, I didn't mean it that but, way. No, 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 not at all. <laughs> but but that is a lot of times that is what you're you're sort of required to do because you're especially in this case I'm playing someone who's undercover. So you you're you're commonly just putting pieces together for the audience, um, and that's uh, but that's, also if you can make that interesting, that's your job. Well, how how do you make it interesting? Because exposition is. Wow, that's a real problem for a lot of writers. Mm. Managing it because you have to get information Especially out there, procedural, but not you overriding have to, it. You have to have that. Absolutely, you know? absolutely. So, how do you go? Okay, I'm the exposition doormat for this for this scene. How do you bring something fresh to it? What What do you emphasize? How, is there any time that you ever do any self editing? Um, what take do you have on the scene to make it interesting? What do you do? I, I still think it comes down from the basis of how you start. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, when you look at any script, uh, I have I have ten things that I came up with a long time ago. For me, I studied with a wonderful man who passed away last year named David LeGrand who taught Tobey Maguire to Christopher Walken. I mean, he was a, a wonderful teacher. But the bottom line is all things in life, to me, start with your relationship to whoever it is you're talking to uh, and the environment in which you're discussing it. Because I uh, and, and and within that you have television and then you have feature films and so those same scenarios vary because television television is television. You if you're not the star, you have a limited amount of leeway that you can sort of take risks. I think you still have to take risks, but it has to be a risk within still a certain box. 
feature film, depending on the situation for an actor, is a, you have a little bit more latitude, especially once you book the job and you actually are dealing with the director. But in this moment in television, you have to look at something and go, okay, well, this is a cop show. It's a cop drama. And I happen to be playing someone who's an undercover cop. And I just start with what is your relationship and where are you? Because the same conversation, you give me four pages of dialogue, Pilar, that you write, that conversation in a library is a different conversation in my kitchen with you. And we don't, I don't think as actors, derive a lot of our character and the emotional intent of a scene enough from where we choose to put that scene. See, you could put that scene in your script in the kitchen, but if I wanted to create a certain type of exposition civil servant, all I need to do for me as an actor is simply decide that we're having this conversation in a library. Hmm. And that's, that's something that I do and have been doing for years because it's really simple. It's easy for us. We all know common places that we've been in our lives and how we sort of function as people and how we feel as people with the same words. Put it one place, put it in another. Public mm. place, private place, can anybody overhear you? Or a public-private place like a big park where you're by yourself, but you're still not in a library. I do that sort of thing all the time because it affects your emotional demeanor. Whether that's where it's going to be shot or not has nothing to do with it. It's much more of what am I trying to accomplish. So the creative part of me that wants to take an exposition undercover cop in an episode of a TV show and wants to give him some life, I'll wind up looking at it and go, okay, well, if I'm trying to accomplish this – where can I put this conversation in my head and in my soul? You don't know that, the audience, but I know that. So that's, that's a lot of what I do. Is relationship and environment are huge to me. Oh, so that's, you know, I think such a, a cool thing to bring up because we don't address the idea of slug lines, a.k.a. scene headers, very much. And no. hearing that will make you look at where, where you put... Right. Yeah. Right. But actors I, don't address it either, Pilar. Hmm. And, oh. if they, and if they would mm-hmm. more, I'm not saying they don't, like it's a blanket statement. I mean, I'm sure there are thousands of actors out there that do. But it is such an easy thing to help us accomplish emotionally as an actor for craft, for the writer, something that they didn't see coming because you did write that slug line. Mm-hmm. And what I did didn't seem like it matched it, but you liked it. Mm-hmm. And that's just me choosing, well, what is the character trying to accomplish? And who is he and who is she and what is it that you want to do? Because we all want, need, or are trying to convince somebody of something every minute of our lives. So it's not a question of um, my job is to give the exposition in the scene. It's I have an – my character has an agenda. My character has a desire to right. get something accomplished in this scene and his way of doing it is to give information. Yes, and, and for me, in this particular episode, because this guy, the first half of you seeing me, you don't know who I am. You think I'm this other person. Because I am who I am in, re- in real time in this uh, show, I simply made the choice that I was having this exposition, but I was really using the exposition to find out what they knew. That was a choice on my part, consciously. As so an for actor. you, winning in that in those yeah, scenes even was the, about- even though my dialogue really is about what I'm telling you, what I know, mm-hmm. I made the choice and and made decisions as an actor, in which I decided my character was saying all of this because he's really trying to find out what they know. Now that's part of what I did up until the point that there is the reveal in the right. episode that I become who I am. And that's a different subject, huh. um, but that's what I did in the part that I appear not as I am. But, you know, <laughs> it, it's, let's say this was a feature. So you had a little more time and, and room. 
a writer might it, it really might work for a feature for a writer to say you know what this character is literally going to be in this scene because he wants to find out what they know and he's going to give them this information in order to get that for a writer to know that and to write toward that end actually makes it a much more interesting scene so the choice that you just made is something that would actually be beneficial for a writer oh, yeah. to think about because then we know that we should really figure out where these characters will remember to to figure out where these characters want what they want and where they're coming from yeah so then we'll write that intention in this scene and at least we have choices it'll be now. so much more interesting that way than, than just like oh i gotta get i gotta spoon feed this idea yeah 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 and then now we can actually it's actually more fun yes so yeah. do you always look at every scene in terms of what somebody wants or you you mentioned relationship and environment yeah right i i, I you have to I mean if you don't if you don't look at to me first and foremost I always look at relationship first Mm -hmm. and there are uh, a million degrees of relationships because it's a level of intimacy you're either married Mm -hmm. to someone and intimately know them not just physically but what I really consider real intimacy which is all the stuff about them that makes them up as a person all the way to stone cold stranger but but even still it's not necessarily that you're really a stranger because of the environment I'm walking into and the association of you two. It's so really I, a deep, a deep I, being the stranger. Yeah, deep. I'm yeah. no, sorry. Uh, <clears throat> this is us one make very clear. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, but but he's a stranger to me when I walk in the door, but he is here with you. Yeah. So, so that's, a, a, that's context, a degree right. of a stranger. Right. You're a trusted friend to her and vice versa. So I think if you don't address that mm-hmm. to every single person you ever play, then when you start going down to the real emotional purpose of what it is I want or what it is I need or what it is I'm trying to convince you of, um, then you can't also be very good at what the opposite thing that I do with that, which is always ask, what's the consequence if I don't get it? Hmm. If you leave that out in life, um, I think that you're leaving it out an awful lot of what – I mean, again, because we're just people. I'm one of those people who believes anyone can win an Oscar. We're just humans playing humans. Uh, so the more human you can make this person and real, to me, the better actor you are. And well, there's always a consequence. If you're five minutes late and you're trying to get to a meeting, there's a consequence. If it's, it's much more life or death than that, there's a consequence. So, but if you don't know based in relationship, need, and consequence for failure, I don't think you have much of a basis. You're just doing lines from the neck up. Now, consequence for failure, should the, the character always be aware of those consequences? Or is that something that the actor should be aware of because they know they know the weight of the scene? Does that make sense? Yes, and I, I think you have to know. I think I think you, the actor, has to know what that is because I do think it controls based on the dialogue the writer has written mm-hmm. and the environment the scene is in. Um, I use an analogy all the time with regards to being an actor of sort of a soundboard in a music engineer's studio. Mm-hmm. Is that we all have thousands of buttons and the question is how many of them are just at idle and how many of them are up at seven to ten um use that spinal tap line you know this one goes to 11 um (laughs) don't even look at it uh so that's to me the decision is that someone's want need or fear of uh, failure can be the same but it wouldn't necessarily come out as strong per se in a particular environment or scene even during that movie so I, i if you don't look at it i think that you're you're missing the boat I, hmm. and, and how important for, for writers to remember consequences. 
You know, oh. I mean, we talk about stakes a lot. A lot. What's yeah. at stake? But it really means what's what are the the possible consequences, and then to make a choice as writers as to whether or not to write in the consequences that follow, or to let your character get away with it. But if you ignore it, if you ignore it, then you're then you're losing touch of your own story. Well, how many times have you two ever written a scene that involved a phone call? <laughs> uh, or, which is typically two people, not mm-hmm. always, but typically, yeah. and or a scene in which someone eventually in the scene leaves, removes themselves from the scene, goes out the door, whatever. This is a question that I ask as an actor. Why do I stay on the phone? Mm. Huh. And how come I don't leave sooner? Huh. And if you, the actor, don't give yourself an imperative, deep, intelligent, artistic choice as to why your butt doesn't leave until the end of the scene the writer wrote when goes out the door and slams you know mm-hmm. that if you know if you don't have a reason for staying then you're just going to look like an average actor and you're average, waiting and average actors don't don't work a lot in Los Angeles where does direction come in in that idea where does the director come in versus what you like if you think i need to get out of the scene sooner you can't just can you just walk out the door or, uh, I mean, no uh, i, I, I <laughs> you know Deep, my my choice on that would be you, my choice has to be I have to make whatever it is I'm trying to get, need, or convince this person of strong enough that I don't have to leave until it's time to go. I see. And and blocking, uh, to me, you know, you've got direction and blocking. Direction would be the levels or the emotional intent that that director is having that camera see me do. Blocking is just moving around and where you sit and all that. And mm-hmm. to me. Neither of those things should have, to me, should affect you as an actor at all. Because if okay. your need is strong enough, if, if you have made a, a balanced point of, I'm going to keep on trying to get this from you, or I'm going to keep on trying to convince you of this until it is time for my character to go, then I, to me, it makes no difference whether the director wants me to try and hold you to get that, scream at you halfway, or anything. It makes no difference to me. Well, that, I guess wow. that brings us to scene direction a little bit. Um, when do you take note of an action line in a script and in sides that you've been given versus when do you make a choice to let that go? Well, again, that's a really good question, Pilar. I, I, in television, you don't get to let them go very much. Mm-hmm. So you, in television, I think that you had better before you even walk into the audition, which, by the way, you won't get to do any of it in the audition. That's one of the reasons why, again, actors really struggle with mm. – Acting class, craft, all of this, it doesn't fit in the audition job interview room in this business mm-hmm. at all. Mm. People have a really hard time paring down those action choices. Guy grabs the gun, runs around the corner, but you don't get to do that in the audition room. And it affects people's emotional levels and intensity. Huh. Um, but when you're actually on the set, you don't really get to play with that much. Uh, probably even more so in comedy because every word the beat and the pace of a scene and everything you do is so imperative based on being funny. So I would say maybe it's probably more true in comedy for features and television that you don't have as much latitude in that. I think you probably have a lot more latitude in that in features. But in television, you better have arrived at putting into whatever you see as an action direction that's written there. Uh, unless the director takes it out while you're blocking or while you're setting up the scene, you better make sure your character understands why it is they have to do that. Which says something about TV writing, too. I mean, usually, if there's an action line, like you said, it's more, it is 
part of the scene as opposed to feature where you might have sort of these little beats that are sort of, I, I don't know, sprinkled in. Um, if a writer tends to micromanage a scene, there might be five of them where only one was really, really needed. And sometimes if the actor's playing all five, it gets really busy. If he chooses the one, you know, in a way that was the important one. Have you ever come across that in a script where you're like, all right, uh, there's all these little things, but I, this is what's grabbing me. This is the choice I'm going to make. Not, not only which one, but also when. I, I think in mm. features, it's much more fluid for you. If, if you and I are having an exchange and I'm at some point supposed to pick up this bottle of water and open it, I, I think that features care less about when that occurs in whatever dialogue I have and much more about what you just said, why I would choose to do it at the time that I would do it. Television can be. I'm not saying it is, but it can be. Um, much less fluid that way where for whatever reason uh, I think of shooting Justified in the first scene that I did with Timothy and Walt and everybody I mean, we were in a conference room with six people and Nick Cersei I mean, and, the, and there's a steady cam that's basically going around the table um, if you're the star of that show when you do something is probably going to matter a whole lot more because of where this guy's trying to go around the table with a steady cam that weighs what it weighs and he's coming across your eye line at a certain point when the camera's on you and we need to see that mm-hmm. you don't have a lot of artistic latitude as to when the hell it is whatever it is you're doing you have to do right. because otherwise one second later your face and your whole action is no longer going to be in frame right so I, I think that you in television it's just it's you're, you're it's less fluid Features, I think, is much more fluid uh, just by the nature of, of the story we're trying to tell and the time we have to tell it in. Mm. Oh, okay. No, no, I don't. I just, just <laughs> this is fascinating. It's really stuff, isn't interesting. It? Yeah, I, yeah. I don't know. Some of these are some of my favorite episodes. Like when we yeah. when we interview people that that are in other aspects of production because you learn yep. so much about yeah. writing from talking to an actor and. Can you tell us a, a few other ways that you break down a script, other things that you look for or that help you analyze? Sure. sure. Yeah. Uh, one of them actually came up in Castle, which, again, I came, up with, I came up with 10 questions, which are part of that audio program, The Actor's Guide to Getting the Job, that I mentioned to you. Yes, uh, let's, let's plug that a little bit. We have an uh, audio program. If you were a co-author of The Actor's Guide to Getting the Job, right. and um, in that you do some... Uh, That's actually called? everything else in my life is on the business side. The Actors Network is about the business of showbiz, but this audio program is about my theatrical technique. It's just Kevin's. It's just something that I came up with, and then I did this with Carolyn Barry, who's a really uh, well-known commercial instructor with her artistic take on teaching the craft of commercial acting. But in those ten questions, uh, getting back to your question, the, the the I ask two things on the front end, and mm-hmm. this is very much a writer thing. What happened five seconds before the scene started? And at the very end of the scene, where will you be five seconds after it's over? Mm. Because when we put together a script as a writer, television or film, we see characters come into a scene. We see characters go out of a scene. The next thing we see as an audience isn't necessarily that character. Not always, but sometimes. It's not always a continuation of emotion or a continuation of thought. But in terms of your character as an actor... If I had a purpose in this scene to come over to your office, Pilar, today and have a debate with you or a conversation or an argument or tell you that I love you or whatever it may be, why did I pick this time if I happen to choose, even if it wasn't Sunday, it, why did I pick Sunday? And when I'm done with this, no matter what you do, where do I have to go? And if we think that where we've been and where we're going 
doesn't color uh, a logical or a particular creative choice that I'm choosing to manipulate myself, how we do something in a scene, I I think you're on crack because it does. Now, is this your way of trying to tell me you love me, Kevin E. West? I, I think it's. I think that's what. Well, he's five saying. seconds ago, he was ordering flowers. Yeah. From FTD. Yeah. Yeah. So. So. Okay. So that, that would be for my not only my uh, life but also me as Kevin E. That would be the most roundabout thing I would have ever done in but, my life. <laughs> <laughs> but it explains so much. Yes. Because really? usually I'm a just a skosh more direct. <laughs> Tell me a little bit more about well. Tell me about dialogue for for one thing because mm. oh you know writers love their dialogue love their dialogue <clears throat> so how do you make first of all when doesn't dialogue work and how do you make it work uh, dialogue doesn't work when you can tell that somebody's trying really hard to make sure that the audience has understood the story they're trying to tell. Mm. And um, from that standpoint, it's just simply – and overwriting, as you probably teach, I don't know, but I'm guessing, overwriting doesn't take an extra three sentences. It just Mm -hmm. takes an extra three words. Yeah. Mm. Um, And the people who are really good at it get that. Uh, you know, again, television exposition is what it is because we're trying to fill these gaps in in 48 minutes. And uh, sometimes a lot of that information is necessary. But the items and the words around it uh, are simply for an actor. I look at something and go, oh, oh, no. (laughs) Oh, no. Do I really have to say that? (laughs) Um, I mean, is that not already seriously there or can I not actually as an actor, trusting that your actor is going to be able to make sure that we understand that without those other three words. Um, it's, it's the same thing to me as the director who comes in and goes, okay, so now I want to go over this with you. The guy comes in the door, he walks around the corner, sits down, and then he starts to talk. And I'm like, yeah, that's what the script said. <laughs> so unless, unless you hired Stevie Wonder and he hasn't actually read it in Braille, um, yeah. <laughs> I know that. That's not really direction. That's just reminding me what the script says. Right. Huh. So that's sometimes what writers do is they kind of they kind of write and repeat. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, listen, again, you just, to me as an actor, uh, you have to solve that. That's your job. Your job is to solve that for the characters to why they need to say that. Uh, that's, again, features would be different. If you're a series regular, it would be different because we all know that stars – in both mediums, can look to the writer or look at the director and go, yeah, I'm not saying that, mm-hmm. or I think we should fill in the dot, dot, dot. Because at that point, supposedly they're channeling their character enough that they kind of know what the character would say. Right. It's not just the fact that they're paid the most. Right. But when you're, you but know. that helps. That does help. <laughs> that does help, yes. <laughs> you know, but when you're, a, when you're a top show guest star on Castle and you're there for uh, three and a half shooting days out of an eight-day schedule and they're not going to see you again, uh, your ass shows up and and does what you're supposed to do until the script supervisor walks over and goes, uh, they don't want you to do that. Right. Uh, uh, we've decided to change it to this. Now, I've, I have a professional thing that I've been doing for years that I always, always put some kind of button on the end of my audition without failure. Without failure. And I do it within the context of the character, within the context of the script. Uh, and I can tell you that nine times out of ten that I've booked the job, 
they let me keep it. So really? And it just happened in this episode again. It certainly happened on Lost. My entire end of my scene with Josh Holloway and Lost, the last thing I say was nowhere near the script, but it was flipping good. And they let it stay. And again, I, when you hire me right. off that audition that I did it, I just show up and do it until you tell me. Now, I have had the occasional script super. I go, um, that, that's not in here. Right. So you'll have to stop doing that. <laughs> okay. Why did I just go off your bio and not your IMDb page? I'm a huge Lost fan. Yeah, and, I was. And, uh, and the thing is, Kevin, when I when I watch TV or movies, mm-hmm. I'm just like, that's the character. Like, I never go, oh, those are my friends. So I have no idea which which role you played. Which did you play? Uh, in Lost? I played Detective Calderwood. He was actually in the um, <gasps> the next to Lost episode of um, the first season, which was called Exodus One, and uh, I played it as an Australian. I beat out about thirteen, oh, fourteen Australians yeah. as an Australian. <laughs> Because that's one of the accents that I play. No, I actually had a lot of people who, who saw it and go, hey, man, there was a guy on this evening that I think looked just like you. He was an Australian. I go, yeah, it was me. Wow. That's crazy. That's totally cool. Yeah. We're lost so. freaks. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So I was running him out of the country, and it wasn't in the script, but he said he his Josh Holloway's last line was, I'm not ever coming back here. And I said, best not, mate. It was not in the script. Ah. But it, but it's nice. my audition. It's my yeah. job interview. Huh. So I'm always going to finish. If it doesn't give it to me by the writer, I'm going to take it. Now, wow. actors tend to do crazy things with that <laughs> yeah. and then embarrass themselves. It has yeah. to be pretty simple. Mm-hmm. Um, but I always do that. Wow. wow. Yeah, you're always. not going to do a time step and say, ta-da. Yeah, this, is, this is my job interview, and I will wow. always finish with me. Y'all, well, have, y'all have a nice day. Also, I mean, that you know, we talk about sort of giving a button to every scene in in the actual written script mm-hmm. because it needs that feeling mm-hmm. of closure but also the now turn the page and find out more so in an audition where you're bringing closure to the scene in a way you know yes it's your audition but you're also you're you're finalizing it you're making sure. the scene feel right and i'm the one auditioning so i want the last thing that you guys experience mm-hmm. Not to be my friend who may be the casting director or casting associate reading the other part. Mm-hmm. It's me. Ah, nice. Oh, I, I, I'm sorry. Though. You guys are sitting there watching me interview for this job. I want the last thing that you guys see artistically come out of my mouth, not somebody else's mouth. Interesting. Now, you um, not only are, uh, you know, do you practice what you preach, but you also run the Actors Network. You're the founder and president of it. And it's a membership organization dedicated to helping actors succeed with the business mm. side of acting. Um, one of the, well, two of the groups, uh, two of the support groups actually run out of the Power studio. Groups, yeah. Power, Power groups, groups. yes. And, uh, we avoid we, the word support just so, <laughs> just so it's not misperceived. Sure, it's not, right. it's not, ooh, woe is me. It's sort of, it's more sort of goal Proactive setting. Proactive goal setting, yes. Yeah. Um, now, I think that, you know, boy, the, the frustration of any artist, um, actor, painter, writer, writer right? Here you are yeah. making art, but you have to translate it into the business side. You have to get work. Somebody mm-hmm. has to love and appreciate it so that they can pay you for it. Um, are there any sort of general guidelines that you give your actors that might also translate for for writers uh i would think so now the one big difference would be the great thing for writers Mm -hmm. is i don't have to know what you look like i don't have to be attracted to you i don't have to like your personality and that's a good thing for for i think for many writers it is (laughs) i mean and i don't mean that in a bad way i'm just saying i think that it is because the tangible brilliance of a written teleplay or screenplay 
does speak for itself if it's literally found in the hallway of Fox accidentally mm-hmm. and anyone picks it up who's in a right position can doesn't have to care whether or not that person is the right type or they have any credit. So it doesn't make any difference. Um, although and however, I do think the commonality for actors and writers is that in the economic state of this world plus this country and this business that we're in today, I, I do think that having some skills of getting writers to a place where they're find a way to meet more people so that they have more eyeballs willing to look at what they write mm-hmm. in an early phase. I have nothing against representation. I've had 44 of them uh, <laughs> in, in my career. Uh, are, you, are you kidding? I am not kidding. That's actually something I say at orientation. Well, I've been in the city for a long time. So and listen, some of, the, some of those folks died or some of those folks decided to, you know, go talk to the whales. I mean, Did they die suspiciously. <laughs> yes. Should people be not not near you, the Halloween, not near the Hollywood sign this week. Okay. No, Kevin uh, Smith, red yeah. killer, <laughs> hillside murder, <laughs> Hallmark Sunday. Um, I, I do think that we are so overwhelmed by social media mm-hmm. that like anything else on the planet. Uh, we are now becoming numb to it. It doesn't matter whether it's Google Plus or whether it's this or that. Some people live off of it, but most of us don't, and we're becoming very numb to. So just because something's on YouTube or just because you have the ability to send an email, I don't believe, means that you're going to get eyeballs to actually read it and pay attention to it long enough to care about it. So I do think, going all the way back to the actor thing with regards to who you know and what is the level that you know them, uh, I do think that writers, unfortunately, uh, have got to make more of an effort to try and become more known to people uh, in person. In person. So that you can at least get them to open the flippant email you sent with the PDF of the treatment or the outline or the thing. Because everybody's busy in this city. Everybody is trying to become somebody they aren't. (laughs) Uh, And everybody is trying to be more successful in a really, really analogous paradigm that Hollywood is compared to the rest of the economic stratus of this country and what we're discussing currently politically, which is, you know, the one percent. And it's really hard to get in that one percent. And if you're in it, you're busy. Mm -hmm. You don't have time to look at someone's new stuff. It's like I got time to look at your So if if someone has met you in it for 15 seconds, 20 seconds, I was a double psychology major, so I'm into this uh <laughs> you know i just think that that email might survive you know the delete button and I, I that's imperative to actors i talk about it all the time submissions are great but you know pilar i've i've been around you a bit i like you if i get five He's emails telling me he loves me again it's, it's no, happening it's, yeah, no no it's, it's subversive yeah. <laughs> if you feel the footsies it's not me it's me. uh you know, she told I, me to stop long ago, long time years ago. If I got five emails from, from people about, hey, check out the first four pages of blah, and I don't know the other four people at all, I'm reading yours first. Mm. And it has nothing to do with the fact, I mean, you know, you're not available, I'm not available. This isn't a male-female thing. This is just, I like Pilar, so I'm going to look at hers first. And I think that's something that writers, we fight against, and I get it. I understand why they wouldn't want to have to do that, but I, I do think that it matters. Uh, because I just think personal association. I use professional association all the time. Stop trying to make friends. Mm-hmm. Just have a lot of professional associations that are actually based in truth and simplicity, and the better off you are. And as, it's not who you know, it's who knows you. As an actor, how would you advise shy writers, which many of us are, to go up to so, – let's say you go to a panel at the Writers Guild or something, and you see – you know, you want to go up and talk to them afterward. 
and sort of start a relationship and, and a professional relationship. How do you approach them in a way that you don't sound crazy, you don't sound desperate, you, you know, because I see actors do it and, and it's sometimes, disturbing. They, sometimes they go so far and they literally have the headshot out. And then I'll see some actors who are so good at it that you can just see them. You know, it's this this fluidity in in terms of this relationship making. What what are some suggestions? And do you, you know have? the business analogy deep that I put to that all the time? No. If you ever come to the Actors Network orientation, you will hear me say it because it is just like dating. Yeah. I grew up. I grew up with uh, in and around two women, and I learned a long time ago that even a woman who's not available or a woman who's not interested in you can still appreciate being hit on. In a really nice way, <laughs> and because because everybody wants to feel no attractive comment. or desired, uh, you know. So and, and what that usually means is it's brief. You accept no, mm-hmm. and you walk away. And our gender is not very good at it when it comes to dating. That's why yeah. I had to write a country song called "What Part of No Don't You Understand." <laughs> um, so when it comes to writers and actors in those moments, what I tend to feel is that we're always on the edge of trying to basically walk up to someone who's a complete stranger and go, "Hey, you want to go home?" Mm. Uh, you can't yeah. do that's what they yeah. had shot out you know this literally was the joke in Porky's where the guy goes and finally goes on the date with the guy and he literally has a condom on before the date starts <laughs> okay so that is your actor uh, writer uh. it's like uh. right. I'm the person who's like know who you're going to talk to or find out who you're talking to get their business card or already know what their professional credentials are someplace right, right. and just simply I would tell you say hi Pay them a compliment, and I mean a genuine one, not a bullshit one. Yeah, yeah. Pay them a compliment of why you're the writer's panel, whatever it is mm-hmm. you're there for. I tend to kind of try and be specific. I was chatting with Alan Ball one day, and, and I just personally did, as many people did, really loved the scene with the piece of paper flipping around in the mm-hmm. wind. Mm-hmm. And what I said to him was, that had to have happened to you. Mm. That was my thought as both an actor and also I, I, I do write from time to time. And I said that to him, not as a compliment, but I said that had to have happened to you. And it did. Wow. And it led him to telling me the story in Central Park when it happened to him. Wow. And that led to the conversation lasting two or three minutes longer than it probably would have. Because I didn't try to BS him, mm-hmm. and I didn't try to ask him for anything. And I took a different angle to something that was in the current movie that he was out discussing that I didn't think a lot of people would take. Hmm. And to me, that's just called preparation and thought. And... um our community and the writer community tends to not be very good at that um, before showing up to the panel. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. then and then what we also don't do, and I'm being really sincere with this, is once mm-hmm. you have that passing moment where you meet them, mm-hmm. you got to send them a note. Three days later, just wanted to write and tell you, especially as a writer, you don't have to have a picture, you know, yeah. that I really appreciated listening to you speak and what I pick out one point that really stuck with you. And that's how you start. But we always want to send an email and we want to be on Facebook. And you know what? Send somebody a damn thank you note in 2012. Like a 70, written thank written you t- note. 72 hours later. Because we're still people. Yeah. Depeche Mode is right. People are people <laughs> all over the world. And, and the fact that you actually took the time and supposed to go and click yeah. and wrote a brief, don't get mental, don't go over verbal, <laughs> verbal diarrhea, which is what we do. And just write somebody a note and go, listen, I really want to, you know, three days later, almost like the 72-hour dating rule, do that, and that's that sticks more than you realize. But you have to keep doing it, Adib. You can't yeah, just do it yeah, once. Yeah. So the consistency, the professional consistency, kind of like the gym, yeah. is what the Actors Network is, and that's the purpose is it's not just a weekend seminar. Trying to build a career isn't a weekend seminar. It, sure. is, yeah. it is building a career, and it takes time. Wow. So. 
you know, this I can honestly say this is the first time Depeche Mode has been quoted on this podcast. Not first time I can remember, but, but f- perhaps so we don't do it enough. <laughs> and I can Maybe almost, that's our problem. Yeah, and I can almost promise you that tomorrow will be the first time your first name is going to be used in the way it is. <laughs> don't, don't blow I'm, it. I, I'm so upset about that. That's you have no. It's actually a compliment in the show. So there you go. Yeah. Is You're she, not a hooker, probably. Is the probably. Pilar hot? No, she's a bitch. She's a bitch. She's the, oh, no, 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 she's no. She's a dog. Oh, no, no, no. She's She's, dog. she's not a dog. She's, <laughs> she's a related to the dogs in a certain way. Oh, no. All right. I've never had a good track record with this name. I still haven't forgiven my mom. Well, you know about weeds, right? No. There's a, a character there a Pilar? in Pilar and Weeds really? who's, who's this uber-tough politico- lady who's involved with various nefarious people and she gets murdered ah. but she's really hot is she hot okay look and she's it always super comes tough, back to so. is she hot when yeah. i was when i was a kid <laughs> um my like one of the reasons for naming me pilar i guess was uh for whom the bell tolls was a, oh really you know she's a character oh, in that yeah. and uh, she's a gorilla fighter yeah so my father used to tell me i was named after a gorilla that's why you're an ass kicker. <laughs> that's, but he didn't. He, he didn't. didn't he, he, so I thought it was a real gorilla. You know, but that's your dad. Oh. That's my dad. He just said I was named after a, a gorilla. G O R, not G U E. Right. Yeah. Right. But you know what? I get back at him right now by telling tales about him on the podcast. Oh right? yeah. So there. All the time. So take that, dad. Yeah. Well, I've met three or four Pilars, and none of them were weak women. So yeah. there you go. <laughs> well, it that means name pillar. gives you strength, right? Yes. It means pillar. Yeah. yeah. I, I do really quickly want to say one other thing about something I do as an actor with regards to the script, and, and this is I'm saying this as an actor, but I am saying it for writers, and that is this. I'm sorry, we're only talking about my name. <laughs> yeah, oh, go okay. ahead. That's what this uh, podcast is. <laughs> I'm sorry. One of my seven, one of my ten questions that I came up with, which is not always in play. This isn't always in play for me as an actor, mm-hmm. but it can be very helpful to you as an actor. Which is, what do you know about the person that they don't know you know? Because any time, what's the word? It's the word secret. We live our whole lives on gossip. I mean, ultimately, that's all reality television is. It's just the National Enquirer on video. That's all it is. And so we're very secret and gossip-oriented creatures as people. Um, And if you know something about someone that they don't know you know, there is a strength and a confidence in a particular conversation that you are naturally given by having a chat with someone And they're talking to you, and you know that they don't realize that their boyfriend is currently blah. They're out someplace with Mary. So you have some power in that. Yes. And and we lack confidence as performers, especially in the environment of an audition. So, Mm -hmm. you know, sometimes it's obvious. Yes, in this particular episode of Castle, my character knows, he knows, he's an undercover person, and they don't. So it's obvious. But a lot of times, I mean, I could just, if I'm looking for something for myself, I'll just decide that the person I'm talking to has spinach on their teeth. Oh, God. Again, whatever that does to you. Now, you don't, Pilar. It's okay. Don't worry. Yeah, it's okay. But I think I think that's also so helpful for writers, too, which is what is the secret somebody is trying to keep? What is the secret somebody's trying to reveal? What is the secret the character has? You know, and, and how cool that you're looking at any character in terms of what do they know that the other person doesn't. Yeah. I think that's very, it's, it's, very it's, cool. It's an emboldening... It can be an emboldening piece of information that you literally as an actor just invent. Because the obvious ones are, you know, you're a criminal and I have you in an interrogation room and mm-hmm. I'm and I'm the detective. Well, I pretty much get to conduct myself however yeah. I feel like because your ass isn't going anywhere. Yeah. Um, that's easy to kind of have an emboldening sort of strength. But 
I, I ask that question a lot of times in, in certain places of stuff that I get that just to see if it will help me give, again, create something beyond the exposition. And oftentimes it does. The, and it's completely made up. The subtext comes through. Correct. Even if the writer didn't put it in, there's a, a depth there. But writers, how cool if you would have actually put it in, yeah. right? Especially for, I mean, again, TV, sometimes we don't have the time and it doesn't fit in but with the arc of the have, show. But, but you still have to do it, mm. you know? I mean, especially I mean, when you're, you have such little time, but you still have to build in those kind of power dynamics into the, the script and let the actor know if it's a cold read, you know, that where they are in that dynamic. If you, I mean, is it good to help lead the actor there a little bit more? Sure, and especially is that better? in television. But, you know, you, it doesn't even have to be dialogue. Mm-hmm. Remember yeah. this whole last Vince Vaughn movie, whatever the one is with Kevin James, where he, he sees Kevin James' dilemma having an effect. The dilemma, yeah. thank you. Now, that's an obvious form of that. He sees them, so he knows it, and we all know and it. And we know, so we carry but, that. you know, it could yeah. be as simple as something that someone glances down at that's a reveal for the person that we know they know this, and now the audience knows it. It doesn't even have to be dialogue, but I just, right. I just think we carry around a lot of information about our day-to-day lives, and there are things that, that we know that other people don't know we know. And I just yeah. think that it's an important thing as an actor to to ask yourself if you're struggling with trying to you know find something when sometimes it's bad writing that will help you uh embolden yourself um knowing stuff about other people they don't know matters excellent Mm. thank you so much this has been extremely helpful um i i love i love you know your analysis of of writing um but also there's so many common ways that it seems like you look at story um, with with how writers should be looking at story, you know, and also the career uh, information is valuable as well. So thank you. Sure. Where can people find more of you? Uh, well, if if you really want to watch my demo, it's at kevinewest.com. Okay. Uh, the audio program for my theatrical technique is at gettingthejob.com. The Actors Network is simple. We have free orientations. If you actually knew any actors or were one yourself and wanted to check it out in the L.A. area, you could go to actors-network.com with the little dash symbol, actors-network.com. And the latest thing that I did, which I'm uh, really, really proud of, is actorbizguru.com, which is finally taking intelligent 21st century questions from me to the professionals on the other side of the desk for actors, directors, writers, producers, casting people, agents, managers, and essentially doing part of what our guest speaker series is at the Actors Network and capturing it as online streaming education, which I would have killed for back in the late 80s when I first moved here. So that's actorbizguru.com, and it's literally you know five bucks for a video, and you can watch it five times. And um, there's a some of that that's sort of out on the web-ish, but this is not about entertainment. It's not anecdotal. This is literally what you do it on the page. It is something to help someone really establish and build a career off of. Would it be helpful for writers to check those out? Uh, probably some of them. Yeah. Um, uh, especially, well, I mean, I did interview, uh, I have I kind of spread the library out. We have 48 right now, and I'm uh-huh. trying to get two more, Which one of which is going to be Sean Ryan from The Shield and Chicago Code. So, of course, that we would definitely But, yeah, yeah, I mean, Arvin Brown, Roger Wolfson, uh, but the one I interviewed one literary agent because I wanted mm-hmm. people to have a perspective as an actor, and, and Joel Begleiter, UTA, is, a, is an outstanding uh, lit agent uh, and a friend of mine, and he was cool. his 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 interview is outstanding. Okay, 
because I yeah. ask him business questions about tele- – he's mostly a television person but knows features and his, some of his questions and comments with regards to some of the questions I ask him are great. Excellent. So, Thank cool. you so much. Sure. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And um, unfortunately, by the time this airs, or maybe fortunately <laughs> for me, um, I don't think the castle will be on because that's yeah, happening in two days say. from this tape date. Yeah. Um, but but it'll be on um, demand. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> I guess. You're going to hear your name about five times. Oh, geez, you should post, post it on, face, on the Facebook I don't think okay, so. No, I'll, I'll I'll post about Kevin, but uh, that's what I'm saying about yeah, Kevin. Yeah, not about <laughs> about Kevin. Your name. Yeah. Kevin. Okay. <laughs> and, so they can uh, see him, and then they can listen to it and go, oh, and they can break it down. See. God. No. Well, um, if you uh, <laughs> if you want to. Uh, <laughs> See a Pilar in action. Um, <laughs> you can uh, take the rewrite class that's that's happening too in March. It's six Saturdays uh, from twelve thirty to three thirty. It starts at the beginning of March, goes into mid April, and it will take your project through six different passes. Even if you're not done with the first draft, it will help you finish up the script that you already have. So go to onthepage.tv and check that out. Also, um, I don't know if you know about this, Adib, um, since you've been gone, onthepageonline.com is up. What and, is that? Well, it's going to house any kind of remote learning that I do out of oh. out of this place. Huh. So the first thing that went up was um, an instructional video of my Beyond the Chick Flick class, mm-hmm. uh, writing the female-driven screenplay. Can and, I just watch that for the chicks? Yeah, um, it's only one chick to watch, unfortunately. It's me, I know. <laughs> and yeah, that's getting old, isn't yeah, it? You so, have a whole <laughs> internet at your disposal, Kevin. Yeah. You don't have to get there, right? <laughs> So, Is that what we're talking about? Now? I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. So, um, so Chicks check named it out. <laughs> on the page online.com. And also, thank you again to everybody who's donated. There is that donate now button on, uh, on, on the page podcast.com or just go to the podcast page on, on the page.tv. Uh, I think that's about it. Thank yeah. you again, Kevin. That was outstanding. Thank you. Such value. You were outstanding. Yeah, no kidding. It's been a good day. Yeah. And, uh, Adib, thank you for being here. Yeah. Probably thanks for having me. See you in a couple weeks with another podcast. Yay. I have to run to a writing group. Did you hear him start to come in? I did a little bit. of little yeah. feet of writers. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I have yeah. to watch the rest of the football game. I mean, this is a big Sunday. That's yeah. right. Okay, We've I'm going to boot you guys out here so you can do that. <laughs> and everybody out there, have a good writing week. <laughs>